Hello and welcome to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, we are hosting bi-weekly Shakespeare Cold Reads on our YouTube channel. So you can tune in every Tuesday or Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, to watch live as we work our way through uh, the entire canon. Hopefully, well, maybe not hopefully, it'll depend on how long we're in quarantine. So I don't quite know whether I'm rooting to finish the canon or not. Um, either way, Twice a week we're doing, we're making our way through. Um, we are, I think, six texts in, and you can tune in uh, to watch live, or you can catch the videos after the fact on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, or on our YouTube channel, which is just My Entertainment World. Um, and we also have the audio versions available for you on our podcast feed, which is also just search My Entertainment World in the iTunes store. Um, although I'm not sure why I'm telling you that, because you've clearly already found a way to access the audio file, because that is literally what you're listening to right now. Um, so this episode is much ado about nothing, um, which is just a really lovely, fun play. Um, it's weirdly dark in parts, um, because a lot of Shakespeare's best comedies are, um, but it is one of the lighter ones. It's considered one of the better comedies. Um, you have to sort of work your brain around some of the stuff that is, is quite problematic. Um, specifically Claudio is just the worst. Just, just no, just a hard no on Claudio. Um, but Benedict, wonderful. Beatrice, fabulous. Um, even Dogberry is among the more fun, uh, sort of silly subplotty kind of characters. Um, I really go in for the, let the record show I was called an ass bit. I just think that's so funny. I don't know why. It just works for me. Uh, but Beatrice and Benedict, really uh, all-time Shakespeare couple. Maybe the best one. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why I like them so much is that they are sort of manufactured by their friends. Um, they are they have this sort of odd history, and they, they spend a lot of time dancing around each other, and they're quite obviously perfect for each other, um, but their pride is in, in their way, and they're just bickering. Um, it's really sort of prototypical rom-com. Like you, the roots of everyone seem to be in Romeo or in uh, Beatrice and Benedict. Uh, interesting Freudian slip saying Romeo and Juliet. Definitely not Romeo and Juliet. When people talk about Romeo and Juliet as the ideal love story, I think what they're actually talking about is Beatrice and Benedict. Um, but as someone who has uh, set up a bunch of my friends, I am here to tell you that the method, the very questionable, admittedly, methods used by the supporting characters in Much Do About Nothing is the single most effective way to get a couple together. You just lie to them. You just straight up tell one side so-and-so is totally into you, tell the other side so-and-so is totally into you, and you just kind of, what I call Much Ado Do Them Together... <laughs> it works like a charm. It's beautiful. Uh, that's why I like this play, just because I think it's a funny matchmaking play. Um, you just have to ignore Claudio because Claudio sucks. He's just a bad dude. Um, but you just, you know, Benedict's great. And uh, no offense to Mark Crater, who I cast as Claudio in this. He's a lovely person. Um, this cast is a lot of really fun people. It's mostly just my friends. I went pretty casual with it. Um, but a lot of my friends are really talented, so it works out okay. Uh, our Beatrice is Tori Urquhart, and our Benedict is my old pal Mo from the uh, Boston University Shakespeare Society, Mo Kamali, um, who played this role when we were in, uh, I guess, second year university. Um, 
And so, yeah. And so I've cast some of our old friends in uh, supporting roles around him and then uh, some Toronto actors as well, including Tori, including Mark. Um, so yeah, this is a really fun cast for the complete cast list. Go check out, uh, the article accompanying, um, this recording, which is, uh, at myentertainmentworld.ca. And, um, again, the video is also on that page, but it's also on our YouTube channel and follow us on social media at my ant world, my ENT world on uh, both Twitter and Instagram for the latest from Corona cold reads. Um, especially, on Tuesdays and Saturdays, I post uh, a lot of Insta stories um, of the live recording as it's happening with some commentary, which is always pretty fun. Um, and then we also, that's how you find out what's coming up so that you know what to tune into. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy much ado. I learned in this letter that Don Peter of Aragon comes this night to Messina. He is very nearby this. He was not three leagues off when I left him. How many gentlemen have you lost in this action? Uh, but few of any sort, and none of name. Uh, victory is twice itself, and the achiever brings home full numbers. I find here that Don Peter hath bestowed much honor on a young Florentine called Claudio. Much deserved on his part, and equally remembered by Don Pedro, he hath borne himself beyond the promise of his age. Doing in the figure of a lamb the feats of a lion, he hath indeed better, better at expectation than you must expect of me to tell you how. He hath an uncle here in Messina, will be very much glad of it. I have already delivered him letters, and there appears much joy in him, even so much that joy could not show itself modest enough without a badge of bitterness. Did he break out into tears? In great measure. A kind overflow of kindness. There are no faces truer than those that are so washed. How much better it is to weep at joy than to joy at weeping. Is, is Signor Montano returned from the wars or no? I know none of that name, lady. There was none such in the army of any sort. What is he that you ask for, niece? My cousin means Signor Benedict of Padua. Oh, he's returned and as pleasant as ever he was. He set up his bills here in Messina and challenged Cupid at the flight. And my uncle's fool, reading the challenge, subscribed for Cupid and challenged him at the bird bolt. I pray you, how many hath he killed and eaten in these wars? But how many hath he killed? For indeed, I promise to eat all of his killing. Faith, niece, you tax Signor Benedict too much, but he'll be meet with you, I doubt it not. He hath done good service, lady, in these wars. You had musty victual, and he had hope to eat it. He's a very valiant trencherman. He hath an excellent stomach. And a good soldier too, lady. And a go good soldier to a lady, but what is he to a lord? A lord to a lord, a man to a man, stuffed with all honorable virtues. It is so indeed, he is no less than a stuffed man. But for the stuffing, well, we are all mortal. You must not, sir, mistake, my niece. There is a kind of merry war betwixt Signor Benedict and her. They never meet, but there's a skirmish of wit between them. Alas, he gets nothing by that. In our last conflict, four of his five wits went halting off, and now is <clears throat> now is the whole man governed with one, so that if he had if he had wit enough to keep himself warm, let him bear it for the difference between himself and his horse, for it is all the wealth that he hath left to be known a reasonable creature. Who is his companion now? 
He hath every month a new sworn brother. Is it possible? Very easily possible. He wears his faith, but as the fashion of his hat, it ever changes with the next block. I see, lady, the gentleman is not in your books. No, and he were, I would burn my study. But I pray you, who is his companion? Is there no young squarer now that will make a voyage with him to the devil? He is most in the company of the right noble Claudio. Oh, Lord, he will hang upon him like a disease. He is sooner caught than he's sooner caught than the pestilence, and the taker runs presently mad. God help the noble Claudio. If he have caught the Benedict, it will cost him a thousand pound ere he be cured. I will hold friends with you, lady. Do, good friend. You will ne'er run mad, niece. No, not till a hot January. Don Pedro is approached. Enter Don Pedro, Don John, Claudio, Benedict, and Balthazar. Good Signor Leonardo, you are come to meet your trouble. The fashion of the world is to avoid cost, and you encounter it. Never came trouble to my house in the likeness of your grace. For trouble being gone, comfort should remain. But when you depart from me, sorrow abides and happiness takes his leave. <laughs> you embrace your charge too willingly. I think this is your daughter. <laughs> her mother hath many times told me so. Were you in doubt, sir, that you asked her? Uh, Signor Benedict, no, for then were you a child. <laughs> you have it full, Benedict. We may guess by this what you are, being a man. Truly, the lady fathers herself. Be happy, lady, for you are like an honorable father. If Signor Leonardo be her father, she would not have his head on her shoulders for all Messina, as like him as she is. I wonder that you will still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What? My dear lady disdain, are you yet living? Is it possible disdain should die while she hath such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must convert to disdain if you come in her presence. Then is courtesy a turncoat? But it is certain I am loved of all ladies, only you excepted. And I would, I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart, for truly, I love them. A dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God in my cold blood I am of your humor for that. I had rather hear my dog, I had rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. God keep your ladyship still in that mind. So some gentleman or other shall scape a predestinate scratched face. Scratching could not make it worse and were such a face as yours were. <laughs> you are a rare parrot teacher. A bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours. I would my horse had the speed of your tongue, and so good a continuer. But keep your way, in God's name I have done. You always end with a jade's trick. I know you of old. That is the sum of all, Leonardo. Signor Claudio and Signor Benedict, my dear friend Leonardo hath invited you all. I tell him we shall stay here at least a month, and he heartily prays some occasion may detain us longer. I dare swear he is no hypocrite, but prays from his heart. If you swear, my lord, you shall not be forsworn. To Don John. Let me bid you welcome, my lord, being reconciled to the prince your brother. I owe you all duty. 
I thank you. I am not of many words, but I thank you. Please it, Your Grace, lead on. Your hands, Leonardo. We will go together. Ixint, I'll accept Benedict and Claudio. Uh, Benedict, uh, didst thou note the daughter of Signor Leonato? I noted her not, but I looked on her. Uh, is she not a, a modest young lady? You question me as an honest, as an honest man should, for my simple true judgment. Or would you have me speak after my custom as being a professed tyrant to their sex? No. <laughs> I pray thee, speak in sober judgment. Why, in faith, methinks she's too low for a high praise, too brown for a fair praise, and too little for a great praise. Only this commentation I can afford her, that were she other than men she is, she were unhandsome, and being no other but as she is, I do not like her. Thou thinkest I am in sport. I pray thee tell me truly how thou likest her. Would you buy her that you inquire after? Well, can the world buy such a jewel? Yea, and a case to put it into. But speak you this with a sad brow, or do you play the flouting jack to tell us Cupid is the good hair finder and Vulcan a rare carpenter? Come, in what key shall a man take you to go in the song? In mine eye, she is the sweetest lady that ever I looked on. I can see yet without spectacles, and I see no such matter. There's her cousin, and she were not possessed with a fury, exceeds her as much in beauty as the first of May doth the last of December. But I hope you have no intent to turn husband, have you? I would scarce trust myself, though I had sworn the contrary, if Hero would be my wife. Is it come to this? In faith hath not the world one man, but he will wear his cap with suspicion. Shall I never see a bachelor of threescore again? Go to, in faith, and thou wilt needs thrust thy neck into a yoke. Wear the print of it and sigh away Sundays. Look, Don Pedro is returned to seek you. What secret hath held you here that you followed not to Leonardo's? I would your grace would constrain me to tell. I charge thee on my allegiance. You hear, Count Claudio, I can be secret as a dumb man. I would have you think so, but on my allegiance, he is in love. With who? Now that is your grace's part. Mark how short his answer is. With your Leonardo's short daughter. If this were so, so were it uttered. Like the old tale, my lord. It is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid it should be so. If my passion change not shortly, God forbid it should be otherwise. Amen if you love her, for the lady is well worthy. You speak this to fetch me in, my lord. By my troth, I speak my thought. And in faith, my lord, I spoke mine. By my two faiths and troths, my lord, I spoke mine. That I love her, I feel. That she is worthy, I know. That I neither feel how she should be loved nor know how she should be worthy, is the opinion that fire cannot melt out of me. I will dine it at the stake. Thou wast ever an obstinate heretic in the despite of beauty. And never could maintain his part, but in the force of his will. That a woman conceived me, I thank her. That she brought me up, I likewise give her most humble thanks. But that I will have a ratchet winded in my forehead, or hang my bugle in an invisible baldric, all women shall pardon me because I will not do them the wrong to mistrust any. 
I will do myself the right to trust none. And the fine is for which I may go the finer. I will live a bachelor. <laughs> I shall see the error I die. Look pale with love. <laughs> with anger, with sickness, or with hunger, my lord. Not with love. Prove that ever I lose more blood with love than I will get again with drinking. Pick out mine eyes with a ballad maker's pen and hang me up at the door of a brothel house for the sign of blind Cupid. Well, if ever that thou fall from this faith, thou wilt prove a notable argument. If I do, hang me in a bottle like a cat and shoot at me. And he that hits me, let him be clapped on the shoulder and called Adam. <laughs> well, as time shall try, in time the savage bull shall wear the yoke. The savage bull may. But if ever the sensible Benedict Barrett, pluck off the bull's horns and set them in my forehead. And let me be vilely painted, and in such great letters as they write, here is good horse to hire. Let them signify under my sign, here you may see Benedict, the married man. If this should ever happen, now wouldst be horn mad. Nay, if Cupid hath not spent all his quiver in Venice, thou wilt quake for this shortly. I look for an earthquake too, then. Well... You temporize with the hours. In the meantime, good Signor Benedict, repair to Leonardo's, commend me to him, and tell him I will not fail him at supper, for indeed he hath made great preparation. I have almost matter enough in me for such an embassage, <laughs> and so I commit you. To the tuition of God. From my house, if I had it. The 6th of July, your loving friend, Benedict. <laughs> mock not, mock not. The body of your discourse is sometime guarded with fragments, and the guards are but slightly based on neither. Ere you flout old ends and any further, examine your conscience. And so I leave you. My liege, your highness now may do me good. My love is thine to teach. Teach it but how, and thou shalt see how apt it is to learn. Any hard lesson that may do thee good. Hath Leonardo any son, my lord? No child but hero, she's his only heir. Dost thou affect her, Claudio? Oh, my lord. When you went onward on this ended action, I looked upon her with a soldier's eye that liked but had a rougher task in hand than to drive liking to the name of love. But now I am returned, and that war thoughts have left their place vacant. In their rooms come thronging soft and delicate desires. All prompting me now, me how fair young hero is, saying, I liked her ere I went to wars. Thou wilt be like a lover presently, and tire the hearer with a book of words. If thou dost love hero, cherish it, and I will break with her, and with her father, and thou shalt have her. Was it not to this end that thou uh, beganest with a fine story? How sweetly you do minister to love that no loves grief by his complexion. But lest my liking might too sudden seem, I would have solved it with a longer treatise. What need the bridge much broader than the flood? The fairest grant is the necessity. Look, what will serve is fit. Tis once thou lovest, and I will fit thee with the remedy. I know we shall have reveling tonight. I will assume thy part in some disguise, and 
Tell fair hero I am Claudio, and in her bosom I'll unclasp my, I'll unclasp my heart and take her hearing prisoner with the force and strong encounter of my amorous love. Then after to her father will I break, and the conclusion is she shall be thine. In practice, let us put it presently. Scene two, a room in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo and Antonio meeting. Oh no, brother, where is my cousin, your son? Hath he provided music? He is very busy about it. But brother, I can tell you strange news that you yet dreamt not of. Are they good? As the event stamps them. But they have a good cover. They show well outward. The prince and Count Claudio, walking in a thick pleached alley in mine orchard, were thus much overheard by a man of mine. The prince discovered to Claudio that he loved my niece, your daughter, and meant to acknowledge it this night in a dance. And if he found her accordant, he meant to take the present time by the top and instantly break with you of it. Has the fellow any wit that told you this? A good sharp fellow. I will send for him and question him yourself. No, no. We will hold it as a dream till it appear itself. But I will acquaint my daughter with all. She may be the better prepared for an answer, if peradventure this be true. Go you, tell her of it. Enter. Cousins, you know what you have to do. Oh, I cry you mercy, friend. Go you with me, and I will use your skill. A good cousin, have a care this busy time. Exit. Scene three, the same. Enter Don John and Conrad. What the good year, my lord? Why are you thus out of measure sad? There is no measure in the occasion that breathes. Therefore, the sadness is without limit. Well, you should hear of reason. And when I have heard it, what blessing brings it? If not a present remedy, at least a patient sufferance. I wonder that thou, being as thou sayest thou art, born under Saturn, goest about to apply a moral medicine to a mortifying mischief. I cannot hide what I am. I must be sad when I have cause, and smile at no man's jests, eat when I have stomach, and wait for no man's leisure, sleep when I am drowsy, and tend on no man's business, laugh when I am merry, and claw no man in his humor. Yea, but you must not make the full show of this till you may do it without controlment. You have late stood out against your brother, and he hath taken you newly into his grace. Where it is impossible, you should take true root, but by the fair weather that you make yourself. It is needful that you frame the season for your own harvest. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. And it better fits my blood to be disdained of all than to fashion a carriage to rob love from any. In this, though I cannot be said to be a flattering honest man, it must not be denied that I am plain-dealing villain. I am trusted with a muzzle and enfranchised with a clog. Therefore, I have decreed not to sing in my cage. If I had my mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. In the meantime, let me be that I am and seek not to alter me. Well, can you make no use of your discontent? I make all use of it, for I use it only. Who comes here? What news, Baraccio? 
I came yonder from a great supper. The prince, your brother, is royally entertained by Leonardo, and I can give you intelligence of an intended marriage. Will it serve for any model to build mischief on? What is he for a fool that betroths himself to unquietness? Marry, it is your brother's right hand. <laughs> Who? The most exquisite Claudio? Even he? <laughs> A proper squire. And who? And who? Which way looks he? Mary, on Hero, the daughter and heir of Leonardo. Ah, a very forward march, chick. How came you to this? Being entertained for a perfumer as I was smoking a musty room, comes me the prince and Claudio, hand in hand in sad conference. Mm. I whipped me behind the heiress, and there heard it agreed upon that the prince should woo Hero for himself, and having obtained her, give her to Count Claudio. (laughs) Come, come, let us thither. This may prove food to my displeasure. That young (laughs) startup hath all the glory of my overthrow. If I can cross him any way, I bless myself every way. You are both sure and willing to assist me? To the death, my lord. Let us to the great supper. Their cheer is the greater that I am subdued. Would the cook were of my mind. Shall we go prove what's to be done? We'll wait upon your lordship. Exempt. Act two, scene one, a hall in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo, Antonio, Hero, Beatrice, and others. Was not Count John here at supper? No, I saw him not. How partly that gentleman looks. I never can see him, but I am heartburned an hour after. He is of a very melancholy disposition. Oh, he were an excellent man that were made just in the midway between him and Benedict. The one is too like an image and says nothing. And the other, too like my lady's eldest son, ever more prattling. Then half Signor Benedict's tongue in Count John's mouth and half Count John's melancholy in Signor Benedict's face. With a good leg and a good foot, uncle, and money enough in his purse, such a man would win any woman in the world, if he could get her goodwill. By my truth, niece, thou wilt never get thee a husband if if thou be so shrewd with thy tongue. In faith, she's too cursed. Too cursed is more than cursed. I shall lessen God's sending that way, for it is said, God sends a cursed cow short horns, but to a cow too cursed, he bends none. So, by being too cursed, God will send you no horns? Just if he send me no husband. For the which blessing, I am at him upon my knees every morning and evening. Lord, I could not endure a husband with... Uh, with a beard on his face. I'd rather lie in the woolen. You may light on a husband that hath no beard. What should I do with him? Dress him in my apparel and make him my waiting gentlewoman? <laughs> he that hath a beard is more than a youth, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. And he that is more than a youth is not for me, and he that is less than a man, I am not for him. Therefore, I will even take sixpence in earnest of the fo- of the bear word and lead his apes into hell. Well, then, go you into hell? <clears throat> no, but to the gate. And there will the devil meet me like an old cuckold with horns on his head and say, Get you to heaven, Beatrice. Get you to heaven. Here's no place for you maids. So deliver I up my apes and away to St. Peter. 
before the heavens. He shows me where the bachelors sit, and there live we as merry as the day is long. Well, niece, I trust you will be ruled by your father. Yes, Faith, it is my cousin's duty to make curtsy and say, Father, as it please you. But yet, for all that, cousin, let him be a handsome fellow, or else make another curtsy and say, Father, as it please me. Well, niece, I hope to see you one day fitted with a husband. Not till God make men of some other metal than earth. (coughs) Would it not grieve a woman to be overmastered with a piece of valiant dust? To, t- t- to make account of her life to a clod of wayward moral. No, uncle, I'll none. Adam's sons are my brethren. And truly, I hold it a sin to match, to, ma- to match in my kingdom. Daughter, remember what I told you. If the prince do solicit you in that kind, you know your answer. The fault will be in the music, cousin, if you be not wooed in good time. If the prince be too important, tell him there is measure and everything, and so dance out the answer. For hear me, hero, wooing, wedding, and repenting is as a scotch jig, a measure, and a syncopas. The first suit is hot and hasty like a scotch jig, and full as fantastical. The wedding mannerly modest as a measure, full of state and ancientry. And then comes repentance, and with his bad legs, falls into the syncopas faster and faster till he sinks into his grave. Cousin, you apprehend passing shrewdly. I have a good eye, uncle. I can see a church by daylight. Uh, the revelers are entering. Brother, make good room. All put on their masks. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, Benedict, Balthazar, Don John, Baraccio, Margaret, Ursula, and others masked. Lady, lady, will you walk about with your friend? So you walk softly and look sweetly and say nothing. I am yours for the walk, and especially when I walk away. Mm. With me in your company? I may say so when I please. Ah, and when please you to say so? When I like your favor, for God defend the loot should should be like the case. My visor is Philemon's roof, within the house of Jove. Why, then, your visor should be thatched. Speak low if you speak love. Drawing you aside. Unmute. Unmute. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I would you did like me. So would I not, for your own sake. I have many ill qualities. Which is one? I say my prayers aloud. I love you the better. The hearers may cry, Amen. God match me with a good dancer. Amen. And God keep him out of my sight when the dance is done. Answer, clerk. No more words. The clerk is answered. I know you well enough. You are Signor Antonio. At a word, I am not. (laughs) I know you by the waggling of your head. 
to tell you true, I counterfeit him. You could never do him so ill well unless you were the very man. Here's his dry hand up and down. You are he. You are he. At a word, I am not. Come, come. Do you think I do not know you by your excellent wits? Can virtue hide itself? Go to, mum, you are he. Graces will appear and there an end. Will you not tell me who told you so? Oh. Unmute. No, you shall pardon me. <laughs> Nor will you tell me who you are? Um, not now. That I was disdainful and that I had my good wit out of the hundred merry tales. Well, this was Signor Benedict that said so. What's he? I am sure you know him well enough. Not I, believe me. Did he, did he never make you laugh? I pray you, what is he? Why, he is the prince's jester, a very dull fool. Only his gift is in devising impossible slanders. None but libertines delight in him, and the commendation is not in his wit, but in his villainy, for he both pleases men and angers them, and then they laugh at him and beat him. I am sure he is in the fleet. <laughs> I would he had boarded me. Hmm. When I know the gentleman, I'll tell him what you say. Do, do. He'll but break a comparison or two on me which, peradventure, not marked or laughed at, strikes him into melancholy. And then, there's a, and then there's a partridge wing saved, for the fool will eat no supper that night. Music. We must follow the leaders. Hmm. In every good thing. Nay, if they lead to any ill, I will leave them at the next turning. Dance. Then exunt all except Don John, Baraccio, and Claudio. Sure, my brother is amorous on Hero and hath withdrawn her father to break with him about it. The ladies follow her, and but one visor remains. And that is Claudio. I know him by his bearing. Are not you, Signor Benedict? <clears throat> Do you know me well? I am he. Mm. Signor, you are very near my brother in his love. He is enamored on Hero. I pray you, dissuade him from her. She is no equal for his birth. You may do the part of an honest man in it. How know you? He loves her. I heard him swear his affection. So did I, too. And he swore he would marry her tonight. Mm. Come, let us to the banquet. Exit Don John and Braccio. Thus answer I in the name of Benedict. But hear these ill news with the ears of Claudio. Tis certain so, the prince woos for himself. Friendship is constant in all other things, save in the office and affairs of love. Therefore, all heart in love use their own tongues. Let every eye negotiate for itself and trust no agent. For beauty is a witch against whose charms faith melteth into blood. This is an accident of hourly proof, which I mistrusted not. 
Farewell, therefore, hero. Re-enter Benedict. Count Claudia. Oh, yes, the same. Come, will you go with me? Whither? Even to the next willow, about your own business, county. What fashion will you wear the garland of? About your neck, like a usurer's chain, or under your arm, like a lieutenant's scarf? You must wear it one way, for the prince hath got your hero. Oh, I wish him joy of her. Why, that's spoken like an honest drovier. So they sell bullocks. But did you think the prince would have served you thus? I pray you, leave me. Now you strike like the blind man. Twas the boy that stole your meat, and you'll beat the post. If it will not be, I'll leave you. Alas, poor hurt fowl. Now will he creep into sedges. But that my lady Beatrice should know me, and not know me, the prince's fool, it, it may be I go under that title because... I am merry, yea, but so I am apt to do myself wrong. I am not so reputed. It is the base, though bitter disposition of Beatrice that puts the world into her person and so gives me out. Well, I'll be revenged as I may. Re-enter Don Pedro. Now, Signora, where's the Count? Did you see him? Froth, my lord, I have played the, pow- the part of Lady Fame. I found him here, as melancholy as a lodge in a warren. I told him, and I think I told him true, that your grace hath got the goodwill of this young lady. And I offered him my company to a willow tree, either to make him a garland as being forsaken, or to bind him up with a rod as being worthy to be whipped. To be whipped? What's his fault? A flat transgression of a schoolboy who, being overjoyed with finding a bird's nest, shows it his companion, and he steals it. Wilt thou make a trust a transgression? The transgression is the stealer. Yet it had not been amiss the rod had been made, and the garland too. For the garland he might, have worn, he might have worn himself, and the rod he might have bestowed on you, who, as I take it, have stolen his bird's nest. I will teach them to sing and restore them to the owner. If their singing answer your saying, by my faith, you say honestly. The lady Beatrice have a quarrel with you. The gentleman that danced with her told her that she is much wronged by you. Oh, she misused me past the endurance of a block. An oak, but with one green leaf on it, would have answered her. My very visor began to assume life and scold with her. She told me, not thinking I had been myself, that I was the prince's jester, that I was duller than a great thaw, huddling jest upon jest with such impossible conveyance upon me that I stood like a man at a mark, with a whole army shooting at me. She speaks poniards, and every word stabs. If her breath were as terrible as her terminations, there were no living near her. She would infect the North Star. I would not marry her, though she were endowed with all that Adam bad left him before he transgressed. She would have made Hercules have turned spit, yea, and have cleft his club to make the fire too. Come, talk not of her. You shall find her the infernal eight in good apparel. I would to God some scholar could conjure her, for certainly, while she is here, a man may live as quiet in hell as in a sanctuary. And people sin upon purpose, because they would go thither, so indeed all disquiet, horror, and perturbation follows her. 
<laughs> Look, here she comes. Dear Claudio Beatrice, Hero, and Leonardo. Will your grace commend me any service to the world's end? I will go on the slightest errand now to the antipodes that you can devise to send me on. I will fetch you a toothpicker now from the furthest inch of Asia, bring you the length of Press Sir John's foot, fetch you a hair off the great Sham's beard. Do any embassage to the pygmies rather than hold three words conference with this harpy. Do you have no employment for me? None, but to desire your good company. Oh, God, sir. Here's a dish I love not. I cannot endure my lady tongue. Exit. Come, lady, come. You have lost the heart of Signor Benedict. Indeed, my lord. He lent it me a while, and I gave him use for it. A double heart for his single one. Mary, once before he won it of me with false dice... Therefore, your grace may well have say, I have lost it. You've put him down, lady. You have put him down. So I would not he should do me, my lord, lest I should prove the mother of fools. I have brought Count Claudio, whom you sent me to seek. Oh, why, how now, Count? Wherefore are you sad? Not sad, my lord. How then, sick? Neither, my lord. The count is neither sad, nor sick, nor merry, nor well, but civil, count. Civil as an orange, and something of a jealous complexion. In faith, lady, I think you're blazoned to be true, though I'll be sworn if he be so, his conceit is false. Here, Claudio. I have wooed in thy name, and fair hero is one. I have broke with her father, and his goodwill obtained. Name the day of marriage, and God give thee joy. Count, take of me my daughter, and with her my fortunes. His grace hath made the match, and then grace say amen to it. Speak, Count, tis your cue. (laughs) Silence is the perfectest herald of joy. I were but little happy if I could say how much. Lady, as you are mine, I am yours. I give away myself for you and dote upon the exchange. Speak, cousin, or if you cannot, stop his mouth with a kiss and let not him speak neither. In faith, lady, you have a merry heart. Yea, my lord, I thank it, poor fool. It keeps on the windy side of hair. My cousin tells him in his ear that he is in her heart. And so she does, cousin. Good lord, for alliance! Thus goes everyone to the world but I, and I am sunburnt. I may sit in the corner and cry, hey, ho, for a husband. Lady Beatrice, I will get you one. I would rather have one of your father's getting. Hath your grace ne'er a brother like you? Uh, your father got excellent husbands, if a maid could, if a maid could come by them. <laughs> will you have me, lady? No, my lord, unless I might have another for working days. Your grace is too costly to wear every day. But I 
beseech your grace, pardon me. I, I was born to speak all mirth and no matter. Well, your silence most offends me, and to be merry best becomes you. For out of question, you are born in a merry hour. No, sure, my lord, my mother cried. But then there was a star danced, and under that, under that was I born. Cousins, God give you joy. Niece, will you look to those things I told you of? I cry you mercy, uncle, by your grace's pardon. Exit. By my troth, a pleasant-spirited lady. There's little of the melancholy element in her, my lord. She's never sad but when she sleeps, and not ever sad then, for I have heard my daughter say she hath often dreamed of unhappiness and waked herself with laughing. She cannot endure to hear tell of a husband. Oh, by no means. She mocks all her wooers out of suit. <laughs> she were an excellent wife for Benedict. Oh, Lord, no, my Lord. If they were but a week married, they would talk themselves mad. <laughs> County Claudio, when mean you to go to church? Tomorrow, my Lord. Time goes on crutches till love have all his rights. Not, not till Monday, my dear son, which is hence a just senite and time too brief, too, to have all things answer my mind. Come you, shake the head at so long a breathing, but I warrant thee, Claudio, the time shall not go dully by us. I will, in the interim, undertake one of Hercules's labors, which is to bring Signor Benedict and Lady Beatrice into a mountain of affection, the one with the other. I would fain have it a match, and I doubt not but to fashion it. If you three will but minister such assistance as I shall give you direction. My lord, I'm for you, though it cost me ten nights' watchings. And I, my lord. And you too, gentle hero. I will do any modest office, my lord, to help my cousin to a good husband. And Benedict is not the unhopefulest husband that I know. Thus far can I praise him. He is of noble strain, of approved valor and confirmed honesty. I will teach you how to humor your cousin, that she shall fall in love with Benedict, and I, with your two helps, will so practice on Benedict, that in despite of his quick wit and his queasy stomach, he shall fall in love with Beatrice. If we can do this, Cupid is no longer an archer. His glory shall be ours, for we are the only love gods. Go with me, and I will tell you my drift. Exent. Scene two, the same. Enter Don John and Baraccio. It is so. The Count Claudio shall marry the daughter of Leonardo. Yea, my lord. But I can cross it. Any bar, any cross, any impediment will be medicinable to me. I am sick in displeasure to him. And whatsoever comes athwart, his affection ranges evenly with mine. How canst thou cross this marriage? Not... Honestly, my lord, but so covertly that no dishonesty shall appear in me. Show me briefly how. I think I told your lordship a year since how much I am in the favor of Margaret, the waiting gentlewoman to hero. I remember. I can, at any unseasonable instant of the night, appoint her to look out at her lady's chamber window. 
What life is in that to be the death of this marriage? The poison of that lies in you to temper. Go you to the prince your brother. Spare not to tell him that he hath wronged his honor in marrying the renowned Claudio, whose estimation do you mightily hold up to a contaminated stale such a one as Hero. Aha. Uh-huh. What proof shall I make of that? Proof enough to misuse the prince, to vex Claudio, to undo Hero, and kill Leonardo. Look you for any other issue. Only to despite them, I will endeavor anything. Go then, and find me a meet hour to draw Don Pedro and the Count Claudio alone. Tell them that you know that Hero loves me. Intend a kind of zeal both to the prince and Claudio as in love of your brother's honor who hath made this match and his friend's reputation who is thus like to be cousined with the semblance of a maid that you have discovered thus. They will secretly believe this without trial. Offer them instances which shall bear no less likelihood than to see me at her chamber window. Hear me call Margaret hero. Hear Margaret term me Claudio and bring them to see this the very night before the intended wedding. For in the meantime, I will so fashion the matter that Hero shall be absent, and there shall appear such seeming truth of Hero's disloyalty that jealousy shall be called assurance, and all the preparation overthrown. Grow this to what adverse issue it can. I will put it in practice. Be cunning in the working of this, and thy fee is... A thousand tokens. Be you constant in the accusation, and my cunning shall not shame me. I will presently go learn the day of their marriage. Sent. Scene three, Leonardo's Orchard. Enter Benedict. Boy. Enter boy. Senor. In my chamber window lies a book. Bring it hither to me in the orchard. I am here already, sir. I know that, but I would have the hence and here again. Exit boy. I do much wonder that one man, seeing how another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviors to love, will, after he hath laughed at such shallow follies in others, become the argument of his own scorn by falling in love. And such a man is Claudio. I have known when there was no music with him but the drum and the fife. And now had he rather hear the tabor and the pipe. I have known when he would have walked ten mile afoot to see a good armor. And now will he lie ten nights awake, carving the fashion of a new doublet. He was wont to speak plain and to the purpose, like an honest man and a soldier. And now is he turned orthography. His words are a very fantastical banquet. Just so many strange dishes. May I be so converted and see with these eyes? I cannot tell. I think not. I will not be sworn, but love may transform me into an oyster. But I'll take my oath on it. Till he have made an oyster of me, he shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Another is wise. Yet I am well. Another virtuous, yet I am well. But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace. Rich she shall be, that's certain. Wise or I'll none. Virtuous or I'll never cheapen her. Ah, fair 
or I'll never look on her, mild or come not near me, noble or not I for an angel, of good discourse, an excellent musician, and her hair shall be of what color it please God. Ha! The prince and once your love, I will hide me in the arbor. Withdraws. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, and Leonardo. Come, shall we hear this music? Yea, my good lord. How still the evening is, as hushed on purpose to grace harmony. See you where Benedict hath hid himself. <laughs> oh, very well, my lord. The music ended. We'll fit the kid fox with a pennyworth. Enter <laughs> Balthazar with music. Come, Balthazar. We'll hear that song again. Oh, good, my lord. Tax not so bad a voice to slander music any more than once. It is the witness still of excellency to put a strange face on his own perfection. I pray thee, sing, and let me woo no more. Because of t- you talk of wooing, I will sing. Since many a wooer doth commence his suit to her, he thinks not worthy, yet he woos, yet will he swear his love. Now love. pray now pray thee, come. Or if thou wilt hold longer argument, do it in notes. Note this before my notes. There is not a note of mine that is worth noting. Why, these are very cautious that he speaks. Notes, notes, forsooth, and nothing. Air. Mm-hmm. Unmute. 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 It's the props. Now, <laughs> now his soul ravished. Is it not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies? Well, a horn for my money when all's done. The song. Sigh no more. Sigh no more, ladies. Sigh no more. Men were deceivers ever. One foot in sea and one on shore. To one thing, to one thing constant never, then sigh not so, but let them go, and be you blithe and bonny, converting all your sounds of woe into hay. Hey, nani, 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 no, sing no more, diddy, sing no more, sing no more, sing no more. Of dumb so dull and heavy, the broad of man was ever so, since summer first was leafy, then sigh not so. And company. Eh, by my troth, a good song. And a nail singer, my lord. Ah, no, no, faith. Thou singest well enough for a shift. And he had been a dog that should have howled thus. They would have... <clears throat> and I pray, God, his bad voice bode no mischief. I had as lief have heard the night raven. Come, what plague could have come after it? Yea, Mary, dost thou hear, Balthazar? I pray thee, get us some excellent music, for tomorrow night we would have it at the Lady Hero's chamber window. The best I can, my lord. Do so. Farewell. Exit Balthazar.
<clears throat> Come hither, Leonardo. What was it you told me of today that your niece, Beatrice, was in love with Signor Benedict? Oh, I stock on, stock on, the foul shits. I did never think that lady would have loved any man. No, nor I neither, but most wonderful that she should so dote on Signor Benedict, whom she hath in all outward behaviors seemed ever to abhor. Is it possible? It's the wind in that corner. By my troth, my lord, I cannot tell what to think of it, but that she loves him with an enraged affection. It is past the infinite of thought. Maybe she doth but counterfeit. Mm, faith, like enough. Oh, God, counterfeit? There was never counterfeit of passion came so near the life of passion as she discovers it. Why, what effects of passion shows she? Bait the hook well, this fish will bite. <laughs> what effect, my lord? Uh, she will sit you, uh, you. You heard my daughter tell you how? Uh, she did, in, indeed. How? How, pray you? You amaze me. I would have I thought that her spirit had been invincible against all assaults of affection. I would have sworn it had, my lord, especially against Benedict. I should think this a gull, but that the white-bearded fellow speaks it. Knavery cannot sure hide himself in such reverence. He hath taken the infection. Hold it up! Hath she made her affection known to Benedict? No, and swears she never will. That's her torment. Tis true indeed. So, your daughter says, Shall I, she says, that have so oft encountered him with scorn, write to him that I love him? This says she now when she's beginning to write to him, for she'll be up twenty times a night, and there she will sit in her smock till she have written a sheet of paper. My daughter tells us all. Now you talk of a sheet of paper. I remember a pretty jest your daughter told us of. Oh, when she had written and was reading it over, she found Benedict and Beatrice between the sheet. That? <laughs> oh, she tore the letter into a thousand halfpence, railed at herself that she should be so immodest to write to one that she knew would flout her. I measured him, says she, by my own spirit, for I should flout him if he writ to me. Yeah, though I love him, I should. Then down upon her knees she falls, weeps, sobs, beats her heart, tears her hair, prays, curses, oh, sweet Benedict, God, give me patience. She doth indeed, my daughter says so. And the ecstasy hath so much overborne her that my daughter is sometimes afraid she will do a desperate outrage to herself. Tis very true. Mm. It were good that Benedict knew of it by some other if she will not discover it. To what end? He would make but a, a sport of it and, and torment the poor lady worse. And he should. It were an alms to hang him. She's an excellent, sweet lady, and out of all suspicion, she is virtuous. And she is exceeding wise. In everything, but in loving Benedict. Oh, my lord, wisdom and blood combating in so tender a body, we have ten proofs to one that blood hath the victory. I'm sorry for her, as I have just cause, being her uncle and her guardian. I would she had bestowed this dotage on me. I would have daft all other respects and made her half myself. 
I pray you tell Benedict of it and hear what she will say. Would it? Good, thank you. Hero thinks surely she will die. For she says she will die if he love not her, if he love her not, and she will die ere she make her love known, and she will die if he woo her rather than she will bate one breath of her accustomed crossness. She doth well. If she should make tender of her love, tis very possible he'll scorn it. For the man, as you know, all hath a contemptible spirit. He is a very proper man. He hath indeed a good outward happiness. Before God, and in my mind, very wise. He doth indeed show some sparks that are like wit. And I take him to be valiant. As Hector, I assure you. And in the managing of quarrels, you may say he is wise, for either he avoids them with great discretion or undertakes them with a most Christian-like fear. If he do fear God, must necessarily keep peace. If he break the peace, he ought to enter into a quarrel with fear and trembling. Ah, and so will he do. For the man doth fear God, howsoever it seems not in him by some large jests he will make. Well, I am sorry for your niece. Shall we go seek Benedict and tell him of her love? Never tell him, my lord. Let her wear it out with good counsel. (laughs) That's impossible. She may wear her heart out first. Well, we will hear further of it by your daughter. Let it cool the while. I love Benedict well, and I could wish he could modestly examine himself to see how much he is unworthy of so good a lady. My lord, will you walk? Dinner is ready. If he do not dote on her upon this, I will never trust my expectation. (laughs) Let there be the same net spread for her, and that must your daughter and her gentlewoman carry. The sport will be when they hold one an opinion of another's dotage and no such matter. That's the scene that I would see, which will be merely a dumb show. Let us send her to call him in to dinner. Exit Don Pedro, Claudio, and Leonato. This can be no trick. The conference was sadly born. They have the truth of this from Hero. They seem to pity the lady. It seems her affections have their full bent. Love me? Why? It must be requited. I hear how I am censured. They say I will bear myself proudly if I perceive the love come from her. They say, too, that she will rather die than give any sign of affection. I did never think to marry. I must not seem proud. Mm, Happy are they that hear their detractions and can put them to mending. They say the lady is fair. Tis a truth I can bear them witness. And virtuous, tis so, I cannot reprove it. And wise, but for loving me... By my troth, it is no addition to her wit, nor no great argument of her folly, for I will be horribly in love with her. I may chance have some odd quirks and remnants of wit broken on me because I have railed so long against marriage, but that not the appetite alter. A man loves the meat in his youth that he cannot endure in his age. 
Shall quips and sentences and these paper bullets of the brain awe a man from the career of his humor? No. The world must be peopled. When I said I would die a bachelor, I did not think I should live till I were married. Here comes Beatrice. By this day, she's a fair lady. I do spy some marks of love in her. Enter Beatrice. Against my will, I am sent to bid you come in to dinner. Fair Beatrice, I thank you for your pains. I took no more pains for those thanks than you take pains to thank me. If it had been painful, I would not have come. You take pleasure then in the message? Yay! Just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a doll withal. You have no stomach, senor. Very well. Exit. Against my will, I am bid to bid you come into dinner. There is a double meaning in that. I took no more pains for those thanks than you took pains to thank me. That's as much to say. Any pains that I take for you is as easy as thanks. If I do not take pity of her, I'm a villain. If I do not love her, I'm a Jew. I don't know. (laughs) I will go get her picture. Exit. Awkward. Um, Act three, scene one, Leonardo's garden. Enter hero, Margaret, and Ursula. Good, Margaret. Run thee to the parlor. There shalt thou find my cousin Beatrice proposing with the prince and Claudio. Whisper her ear and tell her, I and Ursula walk in the orchard and our whole discourse is all of her. Say that thou overheardst us and bid her steal into the pleached bower where honeysuckles ripened by the sun forbid the sun to enter. Like favorites made proud by princes that advance their pride against that power that bred it. There will she hide her to listen our purpose. This is thy office. Bear thee well in it and leave us alone. I'll make her come, I warrant you, presently. Exit. Now, Ursula, when Beatrice, when Beatrice, when Beatrice doth come, as we do trace this alley up and down, our talk must only be of Benedict. When I do name him, let it be thy part to praise him more than ever man did merit. My talk to thee must be how Benedict is sick in love with Beatrice. Of this matter is little Cupid's crafty arrow made that only wounds by hearsay. Enter Beatrice behind. Now begin. For look where Beatrice, like a lapwing, runs close by the ground to hear our conference. The pleasantest angling is to see the fish cut with her golden oars the silver stream and greedily devour the treacherous bait. So angle we for Beatrice, who even now is couched in the woodbine coverture. Fear not, I fear you not my part in the dialogue. Then we go near her that her ear lose nothing of the false sweet bait that we lay for it. Approaching the bower. No, truly, Ursula, she is too disdainful. I know her spirits are as coy and wild as haggards of the rock. But are you sure that Benedict loves Beatrice so entirely? So says the prince and my new trothed lord. And did they bid you tell her of it, madam? 
They did entreat me to acquaint her of it, but I persuaded them, if they love Benedict, to wish him wrestle with affection and never to let Beatrice know of it. Why did you so? Does not the gentleman deserve as full, as fortunate a bed as ever Beatrice shall couch upon? Oh, God of love! I know he doth deserve as much as may be yielded to a man, but nature never framed a woman's heart of prouder stuff than that of Beatrice. Disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes, misprising what they look on, and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matter else seems weak. She cannot love, nor take no shape, nor project of, nor project of affection. She is so self-endeared. Sure, I think so. And therefore, certainly, it were not good she knew his love, lest she'll make sport of it. Why you speak truth. I never yet saw man, how wise, how noble, young, how rarely featured, but she would spell him backward. If fair-faced, she would swear the gentleman should be her sister. If black, why nature, drawing of an antique, made a foul blot. If tall, a lance, ill-headed. If low, an agate, very vilely cut. If speaking, why a vein blown with all winds. If silent, why a block moved with none. So she turns, so turns she every man the wrong side out and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth. Sure, sure. Such carping is not commendable. No, not to be so odd and from all fashions as Beatrice is cannot be commendable. But who dare tell her so? If I should speak, she would mock me into air. Oh, she would laugh me out of myself, press me to death with wit. Therefore, let Benedict, like covered fire, consume away in size, waste inwardly. It were a better death than die with mocks, which is as bad as die with tickling. You tell her of it. Hear what she will say. No. Rather, I will go to Benedict and counsel him to fight against his passion. And truly, I'll devise some honest slanders to stain my cousin with. One doth not know how much an ill word may empoison liking. Oh, do not do your cousin such a wrong. She cannot be so much without true judgment, having so swift and excellent a wit as she is prized to have, as to refuse so rare a gentleman as Signor Benedict. He is the only man of Italy, always excepted my dear Claudio. Hmm. I pray you be not angry with me, madam. Speaking my fancy, Signor Benedict, for shape, for bearing, argument, and valor, goes foremost in report through Italy. Indeed, he hath an excellent good name. His excellence did earn it, ere he had it. When are you married, madam? Why, every day tomorrow. Come, go in. I'll show thee some attires and have thy counsel, which is the best to furnish me tomorrow. She's limed, I warrant you. We've caught her, madam. If it proves so, then loving goes by haps. Some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. Exit Hero and Ursula. What fire is in mine ears? Can this be true? Stand I condemned for pride and scorn so much? Contempt, farewell, and maiden pride, adieu. No glory lives behind the back of such. And Benedict, love on, 
I will requite thee, taming my wild heart to thy loving hand. If thou dost love, my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in a holy band. For others say thou dost deserve, and I believe it better than reporting me. Exit. Scene two, a room in Leonardo's house. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, Benedict, and Leonato. I do but stay till your marriage be consummate, and then I go toward Aragon. I'll bring you thither, my lord, if you'll vouchsafe me. Nay, that would be as great a soil in the new gloss of your marriage as to show a child his new coat and forbid him to wear it. I will only be bold with Benedict for his company. For from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, he is all mirth. He hath twice or thrice cut Cupid's bowstring, and the little hangman dare not shoot at him. He hath a heart as sound as a bell, and his tongue is in the clapper. For what his heart thinks, his tongue speaks. Gallants, I am not as I have been. So say I, methinks you are sadder. I hope he be in love. (laughs) Hang him, truant! There's no drop of blood in him to be truly touched with love. If he be sad, he wants money. I have the toothache. Draw it. Hang it. You must hang it first and draw it afterwards. But sigh for a toothache. Where is but a humor or a worm? Well, everyone can master grief but he that has it. Yet say I, he is in love. There is no appearance of fancy in him unless it be a fancy that he hath to strange disguises. As to be a Dutchman today, a Frenchman tomorrow, or in the shape of two countries at once. As a German from the waist downward, all slops, and a Spaniard from the hip upward, no doublet. Unless he have a fancy to this foolery, it appears he hath... He is no fool for fancy, as you would have it appear he is. If he be not in love with some woman, there is no believing old signs. A brush is his hat or a morning's? What should that bode? Hath any man seen him at the barber's? No, but the barber's man hath been seen with him, and Mm. the old ornament of his cheek hath already stuffed tennis balls. Indeed, he looks younger than he did by the loss of a beard. Nay, and wraps himself with civet. You can smell him out by that. That's as much as to say the the sweet youth's in love. The greatest note of it is his melancholy. And when was he wont to wash his face? Yea, or to paint himself, for the which I hear what they say of him. Nay, but his jesting spirit, which is now crept into a lute string and now governed by stops. Indeed. That tells a heavy tale for him. Conclude. Conclude he is in love. Nay, but I know who loves him. That would I know too. I warrant one that knows him not. Yes, and his ill conditions, and in despite of all, dies for him. She shall be buried with her face upwards. Yet is this no charm for the toothache? Oh, senor. Walk aside with me. I have studied eight or nine wise words to speak to you, which these hobby horses must not hear. Exit Benedict and Leonardo. For my life, 
to break with him about Beatrice. Tis even so. Hero and Margaret have by this played their parts with Beatrice, and then the two bears will not bite one another when they meet. Enter Don John. My lord and brother. God save you. Good den, brother. If your leisure served, I would speak with you. In private, if it please you. Yet Count Claudio may hear, for what I would speak of concerns him. What's the matter? Means your lordship to be married tomorrow. You know he does. I know not that, when he knows what I know. If there be any impediment, I I pray you discover it. You may think I love you not. Let that appear hereafter, and aim better at me by that I now will manifest. For my brother, I think he holds you up well, and in dearness of heart hath helped to effect your ensuing marriage. Surely suit ill-spent and labor ill-bestowed. Why, what's the matter? I came hither to tell you. And circumstances shortened, for she has been too long a-talking of. The lady is disloyal. Who? Hero? Even she. Leonato's hero, your hero, every man's hero. Disloyal? The word is too good to paint out her wickedness. I could say she were worse. Think you of a worse title, and I will fit her to it. Wonder not till father, farther war- warrant, but go with me tonight, and you shall see her chamber window entered even the night before her wedding day. If you love her then, tomorrow wed her. But it would better fit your honor to change your mind. May this be so? I will not think it. If you dare not trust that you see, confess not that you know. If you will follow me, I will show you enough. And when you have seen more and heard more, proceed accordingly. If I see anything tonight, why I should not marry her tomorrow in this, in the congregation where I should wed, there will I shame her. And as I wooed for thee to obtain her, I will join thee, join with thee to disgrace her. I will disparage her no farther till you are my witnesses. Bear it coldly, but till midnight, and let the issue show itself. Oh, day untowardly turned. Oh, mischief strangely thwarting. Oh, plague right well prevented. So you will say when you have seen the sequel. Scene three, a street, enter Dogbury and Verges with the watch. Muted. I was so ready. Are you good men and true? Yea, or else it were pity, but they should suffer salvation body and soul. Nay, that were punishment too good for them. If they should have allegiance and them being chosen for the prince's watch. Well... Give them their charge, neighbor Dogberry. <clears throat> First, who think you the most desertless man to be constable? Hugh Oatcake, sir, or George Seacole, for they can write and read. Come hither, neighbor Seacole. God hath blessed you with a good name. Uh, to be a well-favored man is a gift of fortune. <laughs> to read and write comes by nature. 
both which, Master Constable. You have. I knew it would be your answer. Well, for your favor, sir, why, God give thanks and make no boast of it. And for your writing and reading, uh, let that appear when there is no need of such vanity. You are thought here to be the most senseless and fit man for the constable of the watch. Therefore, bear you the lantern. This is your charge. You shall comprehend all vaguer men. You are to bid any man stand in the prince's name. How if a will not stand? Ah, do I then take no note of him, but uh, let it go. And presently, call the rest of the watch together, and thank God you are rid of that knave. If he will not stand when he has bidden, he is none of the prince's subjects. True. And they are to meddle with none but the prince's subjects. You shall also make no noise in the street, for for the watch to babble and talk is the most tolerable and not to be endured. We... One or two... Uh, if it just says one, if it just says Watchman, just number one, read it. Oh, okay. I'm working in a different text. Sorry. Oh, sorry. How if they will not? Uh, uh, oh, again. Where did I go? Nope. Uh, we will rather sleep than talk, right? Okay, I take it back. Miriam, you read it. <laughs> <laughs> rather sleep than talk we know what belongs to a watch why you speak like an ancient and most quiet watchman for I cannot see how sleeping should offend only have a care that your bills be not stolen well you are to call at all the alehouses and bid those that are drunk get them to bed how if they will not why then let them alone till they are sober if they make you not, then the better answer. You may say that they are not the men you took them for. Well, sir. If you meet a thief, you may suspect him by virtue of your office to be no true man. And for such kind of men, the less you meddle or make with them, why, the more for your honesty. If we know him to be a thief, shall we not lay hands on him? Truly, by your office you may. But I think they that touch pitch will be defiled. The most peaceable way for you, if you do take a thief, is to let him show himself what he is and steal out of your company. You have always been called a merciful man, partner. Truly, I would not hang a dog by my will, much more a man who hath any honesty in him. If you hear a child cry in the night, you must call to the nurse and bid her still it. How if the nurse be asleep and will not hear us? Why then, depart in peace. Let the child wake her with crying, for you that will not hear her lamb when it bays will never answer a calf when he bleats. Tis very true. This is the end of the charge. You, constable, are to present the prince's own person. If you meet the prince in the night, you may stay. Nay, fire lady, that I think it cannot. Five shillings to one aunt. And with any man that knows the statutes, he may stay him. Uh, Mary, not without the prince be willing. You know, for indeed, the watch ought to offend no man. And is an offense to stay a man against his will. Fire lady, I think that be so. <laughs> well, good masters, good night. And uh, there be any matter of weight chances, 
call up, call up me. Keep your fellow's counsel and your own. Good night. Come, neighbor. Well, masters, we hear our charge. Let us go sit here upon the church bench till two, and then all to bed. Oh, one word more, honest neighbors. I pray you watch about Signor Leonardo's door. For the wedding being there tomorrow, there is a great coil tonight. Adieu. Be vigilant, I beseech you. Exit Dogberry and Burgess, enter Braccio and Conrad. What, Conrad? Peace, stir not. Conrad, I say. Here, man, I'm at my elbow. Mass, and my elbow itched. I thought there would a scab follow. I will owe thee an answer for that. And now, forward with thy tale. Stand thee close, then, under this penthouse, for it drizzles rain, and I will, like a true drunkard, utter all to thee. Some treason, masters, yet stand close. Therefore, know I have earned of Don John a thousand ducats. Is it possible that any villainy should be so dear? Thou shouldst rather ask if it were possible any villainy should be so rich. For when rich villains have need of poor ones, poor ones may make what price they will. I wonder at it. That shows thou art unconfirmed. Thou knowest that the fashion of a doublet or a hat or a cloak is nothing to a man. Yes, it is apparel. I mean, the fashion. Yes, yes, the fashion is the fashion. Tush, it may as well say the fool's the fool, but seest thou not what a deformed thief this fashion is? I know that deformed has been a vile thief this seven year, but goes up and down like a gentleman. I remember his name. Didst thou not hear somebody? No, that was the vein on the house. Seest thou not, I say, what a deformed thief this fashion is? How giddily it turns about all the hot bloods between fourteen and five and thirty, sometimes fashioning, fashioning them like Pharaoh's soldiers in the reeky painting, sometimes like God Bell's priests in the old church window, sometimes like the shaven Hercules in the smirched, warm-eaten tapestry where his codpiece seems as massy as his club. All this I see. And I see that fashion wears more apparel than the man. But art not thou thyself giddy with fashion too? Thou, uh, that thou hast shifted out of thy tale into telling me of fashion. Not so, neither. But I know that I have tonight wooed Margaret, the lady hero's gentlewoman by the name of hero. She leans me out at her mistress's chamber window, bids me a thousand times goodbye, good night. I tell this tale vilely. I should first tell thee how the prince, Claudio, and my master, planted and placed and possessed by my master, Don John, saw afar off in the orchard this amiable encounter. And they thought, uh, and thought they, Margaret, was hero? Two of them did, the prince and Claudio, but the devil, my master, knew she was Margaret. And partly by his oaths, oaths which first possessed them, partly by the dark night, which did deceive them, but chiefly by my villainy, which did confirm any slander that Don John had made. Away went Claudio, enraged, swore he would meet her as he was appointed next morning at the temple, and there, before the whole congregation, shame her with what he saw or night, and send her home again without a husband.
We charge you in the prince's name, stand. Call up the right master constable. We have here recovered the most dangerous piece of lettery that ever was known in the Commonwealth. And one deformed is one of them. I know him, or where's a lock? Masters, masters. You'll be made bring deformed forth, I warrant you. Masters. Never speak, we charge you. Let us obey you to come with us. We are like to prove a goodly commodity being taken up of these men's bills. A question, I warrant you. Come, we'll, we'll obey you. Exit. Scene four, hero's apartment. Enter hero, Margaret, and Ursula. Good Ursula, wake my cousin Beatrice and desire her to rise. I will, lady. And bid her come hither. Well. Troth, I think your other rabato were better. No, pray thee, good Meg, I'll wear this. By my troth's not so good. I warrant your cousin will say so. My cousin's a fool, and thou art another. I'll wear none but this. I like the new tire with an excellent lane. If the hair were a thought browner, and your gown the most rare fashion and faith. I saw the Duchess of Milan's gown that they praise so. Oh, that exceeds, they say. By my troth, not but a nightgown in respect of yours. Cloth of gold and cuts and laced with silvers, set with pearls, down sleeves, side sleeves, on uh, skirts, round under borne on the bluish tinsel. Hmm. Oh, but but for a fine, quaint, uh, graceful, and excellent fashion, yours is worth ten on it. God give me joy to wear it, for my heart is exceeding heavy. It'll be heavier soon by the weight of man. Fie upon thee! Art not ashamed? <laughs> what, lady? I'm speaking honorably. It's not marriage honorable in a beggar. It's not your lord honorable without marriage. I think you would have me say, saving your reverence, a husband, and bad thinking do not rest through speaking. I'll offend nobody. Is there no harm, any harm in the heavier for a husband? None, I think. And it be the right husband and the right wife. Otherwise, tis light and not heavy. <laughs> That's my lady Beatrice else. Here she comes. Enter Beatrice. <laughs> Good morrow. Good morrow, cuz. Mm. Good morrow, sweet hero. Why, how now? Do you speak in the sick tune? I am out of all other tune, methinks. Absent delight of love. <laughs> that goes without a burden. Do you sing it? I'll dance it. You light a love with your heels. Then if your husband have stables enough, you'll look he shall lack no bards. Illegitimate construction. I scorn that with my heels. Tis almost five o'clock, cousin. Tis time you were ready. By my troth, <laughs> I am exceeding ill. Hi-ho. For a hawk or worse, or a husband. For the letter that begins them all. <laughs> well, well, and you be not turned Turk. There's no more sailing by the star. What means the fool throw? <laughs> Nothing I, but God send everyone their heart's desire. 
These gloves the Count sent me, they are an excellent perfume. I am stuffed, cousin. I cannot smell. Made and stuffed. <laughs> There's goodly catching of cold. Oh. oh, God help me. God help me. How long have you professed apprehension? <laughs> Even since you left it. Does not my wit become me rarely? It is not seen enough. You should wear it in your cap. By my troth, I am sick. <laughs> Get you some of this distilled cardus. Uh, Benedictus, and lay it to your heart. Tis the only thing for a qualm. There, thou prickest her with a thistle. Benedictus! Why Benedictus? You have some moral in this Benedictus. Moral? No, by my troth. I have no moral meaning. I meant plain holy thistle. You may think perchance that I think you are in love. Nay, by your lady, I am not such a fool to think what I list, nor I list not to think what I can, nor indeed I cannot think if it would think my heart out of thinking that you are in love, or you will be in love, or that you can be in love. If Benedict was such another, and now he has become a man. (laughs) He swore he would never marry, and yet now, despite of his heart, he eats his meat without grudging. Now how you may be converted, I know not, but methinks you look with your eyes as other women do. What pace is this that thy tongue keeps? Not a false gallop. Re-enter Ursula. Madam, withdraw the prince, the count, Signor Benedict, Don John, and all the gallants of the town are come to fetch you to church. Help me to dress, good cuz, good Meg, good Ursula. Exeunt. Scene five, another room in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo with Dogbury and Virgin. What would you with me, honest neighbor? Okay. Mary, sir, I would have some confidence with you that discerns you nearly. Brief, I pray you, for you see it is a busy time with me. Mary. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, in truth it is, sir. What? Is it, my good friends? Goodman Verges, sir, speaks a little of the matter. Uh, an old man, sir, and his wits are not so blunt as, God help, I would desire they were. But, in faith, honest as the skin between his brows. Yes, I thank God I am as honest as any man living that is an old man and no monster than I. Comparisons are odious. Palabras, neighbor Verges. Neighbors, you're tedious. It pleases your worship to say so, but we are the poor duke's officers. But truly, for my own part, if I were as tedious as a king, I could find it in my heart to bestow it all of your worship. Uh, all thy tediousness on me, eh? Yeah, and twere a thousand pound more than tis, for I hear as good exclamation on your worship as any man in the city. And though I be but a poor man, I am glad to hear it. And so am I. I would fain know what you have to say. Mary, sir, on er, our watch tonight, accepting your worship's presence, had taken a couple as an arrest, has taken a couple of as errant knaves as any in Messina. A good old man, sir. He will be talking, as they say, uh, when the age is in. Uh, the wind is out. <laughs> God help us. Uh, it is a world to see. Well said. Uh, if faith, neighbor Virgis, well, God's a good man. 
As two men ride of a horse, one must ride behind. An honest soul, the faith, sir, by my troth, he is, as ever broke bread, but uh, God to be worshipped. All men are not alike, alas, good neighbor. Indeed, neighbor, he comes too short of you. God, uh, gifts that God gives. I must leave you. One word, sir, our watch, sir, uh, have indeed comprehended two auspicious persons, and we would have them this morning examined before your worship. Take their examination yourself and bring it to me. I am now in great haste, as it may appear to you. It shall be sufficient. Uh, Drink some wine ere you go. Fare you well. Enter a messenger. We have My a lord, they stay for you to give your daughter to her husband. I, I'll wait upon them. I am ready. Exit Leonardo and messenger. Go, good partner. Go get you to Francis Seacole and bid him bring his pen and inkhorn to the gale. We are now to ex- uh, we are now to examination these men, and we must do it wisely. We will spare for no wit, I warrant you. Here's that shall drive some of them to a non-come. Only get the learned writer to set down our excommunication and meet me at the jail. Exit. Act 4, Scene 1, A Church. Enter Don Pedro, Don John, Leonardo, Friar Francis, Claudio, Benedict, Hero, Beatrice, and attendants. Come, Friar Francis, be brief. Only to the plain form of marriage, and you shall recount their particular duties afterwards. You come hither, my lord, to marry this lady. No. To be married to her, friar. You come to marry her. Oh, <laughs> uh, lady, you come hither to be married to this count. I do. If either of you know any inward impediment why you should not be conjoined, I charge you on your souls to utter it. Know you any, hero? None, my lord. Know you any, count? I dare make his answer none. Oh, what men dare do, what men may do, what men daily do, not knowing what they do. How now? Interjections. Why then, some be of laughing as, ah, ha, he, ah. Stand thee by, friar. Father, by your leave, will you with free and unconstrained soul give me this maid, your daughter? As freely, son, as God did give her me. And what I have, I give to you back, whose worth may counterpoise this rich and precious gift. Nothing, unless you render her again. Sweet prince, you learn me noble thankfulness. There, Leonato, take her back again. Give not this rotten orange to your friend. She's but the sign and semblance of her honor. Behold how, like a maid, she blushes there. Oh, what authority and show of truth can cunning sin cover itself with all? Comes not that blood as modest evidence to witness simple virtue? Would not, would you not swear, all you that see her, that she were a maid by these exterior shows, but she is none. She knows the heat of a luxurious bed. Her blush is guiltiness, not modesty. What do you mean, my lord? Not to be married. Not to knit my soul to an approved wanton. 
Dear my lord, if you and your own proof have vanquished the resistance of her youth and made defeat of her virginity... I know what you would say. If I have known her, you will say she did embrace me as a husband and so extenuate the forehand sin. No, Leonato, I never tempted her with word too large, but as a brother to his sister, showed bashful sincerity and comely love. And seemed I ever otherwise to you? Out on thee, seeming. I will write against it. You seem to me as Diane in her orb, as, as chaste as is the bud ere it be blown, but you are more intemperate in your blood than Venus or those pampered animals that rage in savage sensuality. Is my lord well, that he doth speak so wide? Sweet prince, why speak not you? Why, what should I speak? I stand dishonored that have gone about to link my dear friend to a common stale. Are these things spoken, or do I but dream? Sir, they are spoken, and these things are true. This looks not like an uptual. True? Oh, God. Leonato, stand I here. Is this the prince? Is this the prince's brother? Is this heroes? Is this face heroes? Are our eyes our own? All this is so, but what of this, my lord? Let me but move one question to your daughter, and by that fatherly and kindly power that you have in her, bid her answer truly. I charge thee do so, as thou art my child. Oh, God defend me. How am I beset? What kind of catechizing call you this? To make you answer truly to your name. Is it not Hero? Who can blot that name with any just reproach? Mary, that can Hero. Hero itself can blot out Hero's virtue. What man was he talked with you yesternight? Out at your window betwixt twelve and one. Now, if you are a maid, answer to this. I talked with no man at that hour, my lord. Why, then you are no maid. Leonardo, I am sorry you must hear upon mine honor, myself, my brother, and this grieved count did see her, hear her at that hour last night, talk with a ruffian at her chamber window, who hath indeed, most like a liberal villain, confessed the vile encounters that they have had a thousand times in secret. Five, five, they are not to be named, my lord, not to be spoke of. There is not chastity enough in language without offense to utter them. Thus, pretty lady, I am sorry for thy much misgovernment. Oh, hero, what a hero hadst thou been! If half thy outward graces had been placed about thy thoughts and counsels of thy heart, but fare thee well, most foul, most fair. Farewell, thou pure in piety and impious purity, for thee I'll lock up all the gates of love, and on my eyelids shall conjecture hang to turn all beauty into thoughts of harm, and never shall it more be gracious. Hath no man stagger here a point for me? Hero spoons. How now, cousin, we're forcing you down. Come, let us go. These things come thus to light, smother her spirits up. Exit Don Pedro, Don John, and Claudio. How doth the lady? Dead, I think. Help! Uncle! 
Hero, why, hero, uncle, Senor Benedict, friar. Oh, fate, take not away thy heavy hand. Death is the fairest cover for her shame that may be wished for. Oh, comfort, no, cousin hero. Have comfort, lady. Dost thou look up? Yea, wherefore should she not? Wherefore? Why doth not every earthly thing cry shame upon her? Could she here deny the story that is printed in her blood? Do not live, Hero. Do not ope thine eyes. For did I think thou wouldst not quickly die, thought I thy spirits were stronger than thy shames, myself would on the rearward of reproaches strike at thy life. Grieved I, I had but one. Chid I for that at frugal's nature frame. Oh, one too much by thee. Why had I one? Why ever wast thou lovely in mine eyes? Why had I not with charitable hand took up a beggar's issue at my gates who smirched thus and mired with infamy? I might have said no part of it is mine. This shame derives itself from unknown loins. But mine and mine I loved and mine I praised and mine that I was proud on mine so much that I myself was to myself not mine valuing of her. Why, she, oh, she is fallen into a pit of ink that the whole sea hath drops to view to wash it clean again, and salt too little which may season give to her foul-tainted flesh. Sir, sir, be patient. For my part, I am so attired in wonder, I know not what to say. Oh, on my soul, my cousin is belied. Lady, were you her bedfellow last night? No, truly not. Although until last night, I have this twelve months been her bedfellow. Confirmed, confirmed. Oh, that is stronger made, which was before barred up with ribs of iron. Would the two princes lie, and Claudio lie, who loved her so, that speaking of her foulness, washed it with tears? Hence from her, let her die. Hear me a little, for I have only been silent so long and given way into this course of fortune by noting of the lady... I have marked a thousand blushing apparitions to start in her face a thousand innocent shames. In angel whiteness beat away those blushes, and in her eye there hath appeared a fire to burn the errors that these princes hold against her maiden truth. Call me a fool. Trust not my reading nor my observations, which with experimental seal doth warrant the tenure of my book. Trust not my age my reverence, calling, nor divinity, if this sweet lady lie, not guiltless here, but under some biting error. Friar, it cannot be. Thou seest that all the grace that she hath left is that she will not add to her damnation sin of perjury. She not denies it. Why seekst thou then to cover with excuse that which appears in proper nakedness? Lady, what man is he you are accused of? They know that do accuse me. I know none. If I know more of any man alive than that which maiden modesty doth warrant, let all my sins lack mercy. Oh, my father, prove you that any man with me conversed at hours unmeet, or that I yesternight maintained the change of words with any creature, refuse me, hate me, torture me to death. There is some strange misprision in the princes. Two of them have the very bent of honor. And if their wisdoms be misled in this, the practice of it lives in John the Bastard, whose spirits toil in flame of villainy, in frame of villainies. I know not. If they speak but truth of her, these hands shall tear her. 
If they wrong her honour, the proudest of them shall well hear of it. Time hath not yet so dried this blood of mine, nor age so hath up my invention, nor fortune made such havoc of my means, nor my bad life left me so much of friends. But they shall find, awaked in such a kind, both strength of limb and policy of mind, ability and means and choice of friends, to quit me of them throughly. Pause a while, and let my counsel sway you in this case. Your daughter here, the prince, is left for dead. Let her a while be secretly kept in, and publish it that she is dead indeed. Maintain a mourning ostentation, and on your family's old monument hang mournful epitaphs, and do all rites that appertain unto a burial. What shall become of this? What will this do? Mary, this will care, uh, this well-carried shall on her behalf change slander to remorse. That is some good. And not for that dream I on this strange course, but on this travel look for greater birth. She dying, as it must be so maintained, upon the instant that she was accused, shall be lamented, pitied, and excused of every hearer. For it so falls out that what we have we prize not to the worth while we enjoy it. But being lacked and lost, why then we rack the value. Then we find the virtue that possession would not show us while it was ours. So will it fare with Claudio? When he shall hear she died upon his words, the idea of her life shall sweetly creep into his study of imagination, and every lovely organ of her life shall come apparelled in more precious habit, more moving, delicate, and full of life into the eye and prospect of his soul. And when she lived, indeed, then shall he mourn, if ever love had interest in his liver, and wish he had not so accused her. No, though he thought his accusation true, let this be so, and doubt not but success will fashion the event in better shape than I can lay it down in likelihood. But if all aim, but this is be leveled false, the supposition of the lady's death will quench the wonder of her infamy. And if it sort not well, you may conceal her, as best befit her wounded reputation in some reclusive and religious life, out of all eyes, tongues, minds, and injuries. Signor Leonardo, let the friar advise you. And though you know my inwardness and love is very much unto the prince and Claudio, Yet by mine honor, I will deal in this as secretly and justly as your soul should with your body. Being that I flow in grief, the smallest twine may lead me. Tis well consented. Presently away, for to strange sores strangely they strain the cure. Come, lady, die to live. This wedding day, perhaps, is but prolonged. Have patience and endure. Exempt all but Benedict and Beatrice. Lady Beatrice, have you wept all this while? Nay, and I will weep a while longer. I will not desire that. You have no reason to it freely. Surely I do believe your fair cousin is wrong. How much might the man deserve of me that would write her? Is there any way to show such friendship? A very even way, but no such friend. May a man do it? 
It is a man's office, but not yours. I do love nothing in the world so well as you. Is that not strange? As strange as the thing I know not. It were as possible for me to say I loved nothing so well as you. But believe me not. And yet I lie not. I confess nothing, nor I deny nothing. I am sorry for my cousin. By my sword, Beatrice, thou lovest me. Do not swear it. Do not swear by it and eat it. I will swear by it that you love me. And I will make him eat it that says I love not you. Will you not eat your word? With no sauce that can be devised to it. I protest. I love thee. Then God forgive me. What offense, sweet Beatrice. You have stayed me in a happy hour. I was about to protest I I loved you. And do it with all thy heart. I love you with so much of my heart that none is left to protest. Come, bid me do anything for thee. Kill Claudio. <laughs> Not for the wide world. You kill me to deny. Farewell. Carry, sweet Beatrice. I am gone, though I am here. There is no love in you. Nay, I pray you, let me go. Beatrice. In faith, I will go. We'll be friends first. You dare easier be friends with me than fight with mine enemy. Is Claudio thine enemy? Is I not approved in the height a villain that hath slandered, scorned, dishonored my kinsman? Oh, that I were a man. What? Bear her in hand until they come to take hands. Bear her in hand until they come to take hands. And then, with public accusation, uncovered slander, unmitigated rancor. Oh, God, that I were a man. I would eat his heart in the marketplace. Hear me, Beatrice. Talk with a man out at a window, a proper saying. Me, but Beatrice. Sweet hero. She is wronged. She is slandered. She is undone. Beatrice. Princes and counties. Surely a princely testimony, a goodly count, comfort, a sweet galleon, surely. Oh, that I were a man for his sake. Or that I had any friend would be a man for my sake. But manhood is melted into curtsies, valor, Valor into compliment, and men are only turned into tongue and trim ones, too. He is now wishing. He is now as valiant as Hercules that only tells a lie and swears it. I cannot be a man with wishing. Therefore, I will die a woman with grieving. Terry, good Beatrice. By this hand, I love thee. Use it for my love some other way than by swearing by it. 
think you in your soul the Count Claudio hath wronged Hero? Yea, as sure as I have a thought or a soul. Enough. I am engaged. I will challenge him. I will kiss your hand. And so I leave you. By this hand, Claudio shall render me a dear account. As you hear of me, so think of me. Go, comfort your cousin. I must say she is dead. So farewell. Exit. Scene two, a prison. Enter Dogberry, Verges, and Sexton in gowns and the watch with Conrad and Baraccio. Is our whole assembly appeared? Oh, a, a stool and cushion for the sexton. Which be the malefactors? Mary, uh, that am I and my partner. Nay, that's certain. We have the exhibition to examine. But which are the offenders that are to be examined? Let them come before Master Constable. Yea, Mary, let them come before me. What is your name, friend? Baraccio. Pray, write down, Baraccio. Yours, Sarah? I am a gentleman, sir, and my name is Conrad. Write down, Master Gentleman, Conrad. Masters, do you serve God? They serve you hope. Write down that they hope they serve God. And, and write God first, for God defend, but God should go before such villains. Masters, it is proved already that you are little better than false knaves, and it will go near to be thought so shortly. How answer you for yourselves? Very so we say we are none. A marvelous witty fellow, I assure you, but I will go about with him. <clears throat> Come you hither, Sarah. Uh, a word in your ear, sir, I say to you. Uh, it is thought you are false knaves. Uh, sir, I say to you, we are none. Well, stand aside. For God that they are both in a tale. <clears throat> have, have you written down that they are none? Master Constable, you go not the way to examine. You must call forth the watch that are their accusers. Yea, Mary, that's the effest way. Let the watch come forth. Masters, I charge you, in the prince's name, accuse these men. Uh, This man said, sir, that Don John, the prince's brother, was a villain. Write down, Prince John, a villain. Why, this is a flat perjury to call a prince's brother villain. Master Constable. Crazy, fellow, peace. I do not like thy look, I promise thee. What heard you what heard you him say else? Mary, that he had received a thousand ducats of Don John for accusing the lady hero wrongfully. Flat burglary as ever was committed. Yea, by mass, that it is. What else, fellow? And that Count Claudio did mean, upon his word, to disgrace Hero before the whole assembly and not marry her. Oh, villain! Thou wilt be condemned into everlasting redemption for this. What else? Uh, This is all. 
And this is more, masters, than you can deny. Prince John is this morning secretly stolen away. Hero was in this manner accused, in this very manner refused, and upon the grief of this, suddenly died. Master Constable, let these men be bound and brought to Leonardo's. I will go before and show him their examination. Exit. Come, let them be opinioned. Let them be in the hands of God's my life. Where's the sextant? Let him write down the prince's officer, Coxcomb. Come, find them, thou naughty varlet. Away, you are an ass. You are an ass. Dost thou not suspect my place? Dost thou not suspect my years? Oh, that he were here to write me down an ass. But masters, remember that I am an ass. Though it be not written down, Yet forget not that I'm an ass. No, thou villain, thou art full of piety, as shall be proved upon these good witnesses. I am a wise fellow, and, which is more, an officer, and, which is more, a householder, and, which is more, a pretty piece of flesh, as any in Messina, and one that knows the law, go to, and a rich fellow, enough go to, and a fellow that had hath losses, and one hath two gowns, and everything handsome about him. Bring him away. Oh, that I had been written down an ass. Excellent. Act 5, scene 1, before Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo and Antonio. If you go on thus, you will kill yourself, and tis not wisdom thus to second grief against yourself. I pray thee cease thy counsel, which falls into mine ears as profitless as water in a sieve. Give not me counsel, nor let no comforter delight mine ear, but such a one whose wrongs do suit with mine. Bring me a father that so loved his child, whose joy of her is overwhelmed like mine, and bid him speak of patience. Measure his woe the length and breadth of mine, and let it answer every strain for strain, as thus for thus, and such a grief for such, in every lineament, branch, shape, and form. If such a one will smile and stroke his beard, bid sorrow when he shall own. Patch grief with proverbs, make misfortune drunk with candle wasters, bring him yet to me, and I of him will gather patience. But there is no such man. For brother, men can counsel and speak comfort to that grief which they themselves not feel, but tasting it, their counsel turns to passion, which before would give perceptual medicine to rage, fetter strong madness in a silken thread, charm ache with air and agony with words. No, no, it is all men's office to speak patience to those that ring under the load of sorrow, but no man's virtue nor sufficiency to be so moral when he shall endure the like himself. Therefore give me no counsel. My griefs cry louder than advertisement. Therein do men from children nothing differ. I pray thee peace. I will be flesh and blood. For there was never yet philosopher that could endure the toothache patiently, however they have writ the style of gods and made a push and chance and sufferance. Yet bend not all the harm upon yourself. Make those that do offend you suffer too. There, there thou speakest reason. Nay, I will do so. My soul doth tell me Hero is belied. And that shall Claudio know. So shall the prince and all of them that thus dishonor her. 
Here comes the prince and Claudio hastily. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio. Good den. Good den. Good day to you both. Hear you, my lord. We have some haste, Leonardo. Some haste, my lord. Well, fare you well, my lord. Are you so hasty now? Well, all is one. Nay, do not quarrel with us, good old man. If he could right himself with quarreling, some of us would lie low. What wrongs him? Mary, thou dost wrong me, thou dissembler, thou. Nay, never, never lay thy hand upon thy sword, I fear thee not. Mary, beshrew me. If it should give your aid such cause of fear and faith, my hand meant nothing to my sword. <laughs> Man, never fear and jest at me. I speak not like a dotard nor a fool, as under privilege of age to brag what I have done, or being young, or what I would do were I not old. No, Claudio, to thy head thou hast so wronged mine innocent child and me that I am forced to lay my reverence by, and, with grey hairs and bruise of many days, do challenge thee to trial of a man. I say thou hast belied mine innocent child. Thy slander hath gone through and through her heart, and she lies buried with her ancestors, oh, in a tomb where never scandal slept, save this of hers framed by thy villainy. My villainy? Thine, Claudio, thine, I say. You say not right, old man. My lord, my lord, I'll prove it on his body if he dare, despite his nice fence and his active practice, his may of youth and bloom of lustihood. Away! I will not have to do with you. Dance thou so death me! Thou hast killed my child! If thou killst me, boy, thou shalt kill a man. Oh, he shall kill two of us, and men indeed. But that's no matter. Let him kill one first. Win me and wear me. Let him answer me. Come, follow me, boy. Come, sir boy. Come, follow me. Sir boy, I'll whip you from your foining fence. Nay, as I am a gentleman, I will. Uh, Brother. Content yourself. God knows I loved my niece. And she is dead, slandered to death by villains that dare as well answer a man indeed as I take a serpent by the tongue. Boys, apes, braggarts, jacks, millsops. Brother Anthony. Hold you content. What, man? I know them, yea, and what they weigh even to the utmost scruple. Scrambling, outfacing, fashion-monging boys that lie and cog and flout, deprave and slander, go antiquely, show outward hideousness, and speak off half a dozen dangerous words how they might hurt their enemies if... They durst, and this is all. But, Brother Antony... Come, tis no matter. Do not you meddle, let me deal in this. Gentlemen both, we will not wake your patience. My heart is sorry for your daughter's death, but on my honor she was charged with nothing but what was true and very full of proof. My lord, my lord! I will not hear you. No? Come, brother, away. I will be heard. And shall, or some of us will smart for it. Except Leonardo and Antonio. See, see, here comes the man we went to seek. Enter Benedict. Now, Signor, what news? Good day, my lord. Welcome, Signor. You are almost come to part almost afraid. We had liked to have had our two noses snapped off with two old men without teeth. Leonato and his brother, what thinkest thou? Had we thought, I doubt we should have been too young for them. 
In a false quarrel, there is no true valor. I came to seek you both. We have been up and down to seek thee. For we are high-proof melancholy and would fain have it beaten away. Wilt thou use thy wit? It is in my scabbard. Shall I draw it? Dost thou wear it, thy wit by thy side? Never any did so, though very many have been beside their wit. I will bid thee draw as we do the minstrels. Draw to pleasure us. As I am an honest man, he looks pale. Art thou sick or angry? What? Courage, man! What thou care killed a cat, thou hast metal enough in thee to kill care. Sir, I shall meet your wit in the career, and you charge it against me. I pray you, choose another subject. Nay, then, give him another staff. This last was broke cross. By this light he changes more and more. I think he be angry indeed. If he be, he knows how to turn his girdle. Shall I speak a word in your ear? God bless me from a challenge. You are a villain. I just not. I will make it good how you dare, with what you dare, and when you dare. Do me right, or I will protest your cowardice. You have killed a sweet lady, and her death shall fall heavy on you. Let me hear from you. Well... I will meet you, so I may have good cheer. What a feast, a feast. In faith, I thank him. He hath bid me to a calf's head and a capon, the which, if I did not carve, most curiously say, my knife's not. Shall I not find a woodcock too? Sir, your wit ambles well. It goes easily. I'll tell thee how Beatrice praised thy wit the other day. I said thou hadst a fine wit. True, she said. A fine little one. No, said I, a great wit. Right, says she, a great gross one. Nay, said I, a good wit. Just, said she, it hurts nobody. Nay, said I, the gentleman is wise. Certain, she said. A wise gentleman. Nay, said I, he hath the tongues. That I believe, she said. For he swore a thing to me on Monday night, which he forswore on Tuesday morning. There's a double tongue, there's two tongues. Thus did she, an hour together, transshape thy particular virtues, yet at last she concluded with a sigh, thou wast the properest man in Italy. For the which she wept heartily, and said she cared not. Yea, that she did, but yet for all that, and if she did not hate him deadly, she would love him dearly. The old man's daughter told us all. Oh, oh, and moreover, God saw him when he was hid in the garden. But when shall we set the savage bull's horns on the sensible Benedict's head? Yea, and text underneath, here dwells Benedict, the married man. <clears throat> Fare you well, boy. I know, you know my mind. I will even out your gossip-like humor. You break jests as braggarts do their blades, which God be thanked hurt not. My lord, for your many courtesies, I thank you. I must discontinue your company. Your brother, the bastard, is, is fled from Messina. You have among you killed a sweet and innocent lady. For my lord, Lackbeard, there, he and I shall meet. Until then, peace be with him. Exit.
He is in earnest. In most profound earnest, and I'll warrant you for the love of Beatrice. And hath challenged thee. Most sincerely. What a pretty thing man is when he goes in his doublet and hoes and leaves off his wit. He is then a giant to an ape, but then is an ape a doctor to such a man. But soft you, let me be. Pluck up my heart and be sad. Did he not say my brother was fled? Enter Dogberry Verges in the watch with Conrad and Baraccio. Come you, sir, if... If justice cannot tame you, she shall never weigh more reasons in her balance. <sighs> Nay, and you be a cursing hypocrite once, you must be looked to. How now? Two of my brother's men bound. Baraccio one. Turkin after their offense, my lord. Officers, what offense have these men done? Mary, sir, they have committed false report. Moreover, they have spoken untruths. Secondarily, they are slanders. Sixth, and lastly, they have belied a lady. Thirdly, they have verified unjust things. And, to conclude, they are lying knaves. First, I ask thee what they have done. Thirdly, I ask thee what's their offense. Sixth, and lastly, why they are committed. And, to conclude, what you lay to the charge. Rightly reasoned, and in his own division, and by my troth, there's one meaning well suited. Who have you offended, masters, that you are thus bound to your answer? This learned constable is too cunning to be understood. What's your offense? Sweet prince, let me go no further to mine answer. Do you hear me and let this count kill me? I have deceived even your very eyes. What your wisdoms could not discover... These shallow fools have brought to light. Who in the night overheard me confessing to this man how Don John, your brother, incensed me to slander the Lady Hero. How you were brought into the orchard and saw me court Margaret in Hero's garments. How you disgraced her when you should marry her. My villainy they have upon record, which I had rather steal with my death than repeat over to my shame. The lady is dead upon mine and my master's false accusation, and briefly, I desire nothing but the reward of a villain. Runs not this speech like iron through your blood. I have drunk poison whilst he uttered it. What did my brother set thee on this? Yea, and paid me richly for the practice of it. He is composed and framed of treachery, and fled he is upon this villainy. Sweet hero. Now thy image doth appear in the rare semblance that I loved at first. Come, bring away the plaintiffs. By this time our sexton hath reformed, Signor Leonardo of the matter, and masters do not forget to specify, when time and place shall serve, that I am an ass. Here, here comes Master Signor Leonardo and the sexton too. Re-enter Leonardo and Antonio with the sexton. Which is the villain? Let me see his eyes, that when I note another man like him, I may avoid him. Which of these is he? If you would know your wronger, look on me. Art thou the slave that with thy breath hast killed mine innocent child? Yea, even I alone. 
No, not so, villain, thou beliest thyself. Here stand a pair of honorable men. A third is fled that had a hand in it. I thank you, princes, for my daughter's death. Record it with your high and worthy deeds. T'was bravely done, if you bethink you of it. I know not how to pray your patience, yet I'm, I must speak. Choose your revenge yourself. Impose me to what penance your invention can lay upon my sin. It sinned I not, but in mistaking. I my soul, nor I. And yet, to satisfy this good old man, I would bend under any heavy weight that he'll enjoin me to. I cannot bid you bid my daughter live, that were impossible. But I pray you both possess the people in Messina here how innocent she died. And if your love can labor aught in sad invention, hang her an epitaph upon her tomb and sing it to her bones. Sing it tonight. Tomorrow morning come you to my house, and since you could not be my son-in-law, be yet my nephew. My brother hath a daughter, almost the copy of my child that's dead, and she alone is heir to both of us. Give her the right you should have given her cousin, and so dies my revenge. Oh, noble sir, your overkindness doth wring tears from me. I do embrace your offer and dispose for henceforth of poor Claudio. Tomorrow, then, I will expect your coming. Tonight I take my leave. This naughty man shall face to face be brought to Margaret, who I believe was packed in all this wrong, hired to it by your brother. No, by my soul she was not, nor knew not what she did when she spoke to me, but always hath been just and virtuous in anything that I do know by her. Moreover, sir, uh, which indeed is not under white and black, this plaintiff here, the offender, did call me ass. I beseech you, let it be remembered in his punishment. And also, the watch heard them talk of one deformed and says, beware is a key in his ear, a lock hanging by it, and borrows money in God's name, the which he hath used so long and never paid that now men grow hard-hearted and will lend nothing. For God's sake, pray you, examine him on that point. I thank thee for thy care and honest pains. Your worship speaks like a most thankful and reverend youth, and I praise God for you. There's for thy pains. God save the foundation. Go, I discharge thee of thy prisoner, and I thank thee. I leave an errant knave with your worship, which I beseech your worship to correct yourself uh, for the example of others. God keep your worship. I wish your worship well. God restore you to health. I humbly give you leave to depart, and uh, if a merry meeting may be wished, God prohibit it. <clears throat> Come, neighbor. Exent Dogberry and Burgess. Until tomorrow morning, lords, farewell. Farewell, my lords. We look for you tomorrow. We will not fail. Tonight's all morn with Hero. Bring you these fellows on. We'll talk with Margaret how her acquaintance grew with this lewd fellow. Exit severally. Scene two, Leonardo's garden. Enter Benedict and Margaret meeting. Pray thee, speak, Mistress Margaret. Deserve well at my hands by helping me to a speech of Beatrice. Will you then write me a sonnet in praise of my beauty? In so high a style, Margaret, that no man living shall come over it. For in most comely truth, thou deservest it. 
to have no man come over me. <laughs> why shall I? Why shall I always keep below stairs? My wit is as quick as the greyhound's mouth; it catches. <laughs> and yours is as blunt as the fencer's foils, which hit but hurt not. A most manly wit, Margaret. It will not hurt a woman, and so I pray thee, call Beatrice. I give thee the bucklers. Give us the swords. We have bucklers of our own. Uh, if you use them, Margaret, you must put in the pikes with a vice, and they are dangerous weapons for mates. <laughs> well, I will call Beatrice to you, who I think have legs. And therefore, will call. Exit Margaret. Sings. <laughs> the god of love the the god of love that sits above and knows me and knows me how pitiful i deserve i mean in singing but in loving leander the good swimmer Troilus, the first employer of panders, and a whole bookful of these quantum carpet mangers whose names yet run smoothly in the even road of a blank verse. Why, they were never so truly turned over and over as my poor self in love. Mary, I cannot show it in rhyme. I have tried. I can find out no rhyme to lady but baby, an innocent rhyme, for scorn... Horn, a hard rhyme. For school, fool, a babbling rhyme. Very ominous endings. No, I was not born under a rhyming planet, nor I cannot woo in festival terms. Enter Beatrice. Sweet Beatrice, wouldst thou come when I called thee? Yea, senor, and depart when you bid me. I'll stay but till then. Then is spoken very well now. And yet, ere I go, let me know with that I came, which is with knowing what hath passed between you and Claudio. Only foul words. And thereupon I will kiss thee. Foul words is but foul wind. And foul wind is but foul breath. And foul breath is noisome. Therefore, I will depart un. Thou hast frighted the word out of his right sense so forcibly is thy wit. But I must tell thee plainly. Claudio undergoes my challenge. And either I must shortly hear from him or I will subscribe him a coward. And I pray thee now, tell me, for which part of my, which of my bad parts didst thou first fall in love with me? For them all together which maintained so politic a state of evil that they will not admit any good part to intermingle with them. But for which of my good parts did did you first suffer love for me? Suffer love? A good epithet. I do suffer love indeed, for I love thee against my will. In spite of your heart, I think. Alas, poor heart. If you spite it for my sake, I will spite it for yours, for I will never love that which my friend hates. (laughs) Thou and I are too wise to woo peaceably. It appears not in this confession. 
there's not one wise man among 20 that will praise himself. An old, old instance, Beatrice, that lived in the line of good neighbors. If a man do not erect in this age his own tomb ere he dies, he shall live no longer in monument than the bells ring and the widow weeps. And how long is that, thank you? Question, why? An hour in clamor and a quarter in room. Therefore is it most expedient for the wise, if Don Worm, his conscience, find no impediment to the contrary, to be the trumpet of his own virtues, as I am to myself. So much for praising myself, who I myself will bear witness, is praiseworthy. Now tell me, how doth your cousin? Very ill. And how do you? Very ill, too. Serve God, love me, and mend. There will I leave you too, for here comes one in haste. Enter Ursula. Madam, you must come to your uncle, yonder's old coil at home. It is proved my lady hero hath been falsely accused. The prince and Claudio mightily abused, and Don John is the author of it all, who is fled and gone. Will you come presently? Will you go hear this news, senor? I will live in thy heart, die in thy lap, and be buried in thy eyes. And moreover, I will go with you to thy uncles. Exit. Scene three at church. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, and three or four with tapers. Is this the monument of Leonardo? It is, my lord. Done to death by slanderous tongues, was the hero that here lies. Death and guerdon of her wings, wrongs, gives her fame which never dies. So the life that did with shame, died with shame, lives in death with glorious fame. Hang thou there upon the tomb, praising her when I am dumb. Now, music, sound, and sing your solemn hymn. Pardon, goddess of the night, those that slew thy virgin knight, for which, for the witch with songs of woe, round about her tomb they go. Midnight, assist our moan, help us to sigh and groan. Heavily, heavily, graves yawn and yield your dead, till death be uttered. Heavily, heavily. Now, Unto thy bones, good night. Yearly will I do this right. Good morrow, masters. Put your torches out. The wolves have prayed. And look, the gentle day, before the wheels of Phoebus round about, dapples the drowsy east with spots of gray. Thanks to you all, and leave us. Fare you well. Good morrow, masters. Each is several way. Come, let us hence, and put on other weeds, and then to Leonardo's we will go. And him and now with luckier issue speeds than this for whom we rendered up this woe. Exempt. Scene four, a room in Leonardo's house. <coughs> Enter Leonardo, Antonio, Benedict, Beatrice, Margaret, Ursula, Friar Francis, and Hero. Did I not tell you she was innocent? So are the prince and Claudio. 
who accused her upon the error that you heard debated. But Margaret was in some fault for this, although against her will, as it appears in the true course of all the question. Well, I am glad that all things sort so well. And so am I, being else by faith and force to call young Claudio to a reckoning for it. Well, daughter, and you gentlewomen all, withdraw into a chamber by yourselves, and when I send for you, come hither masked. Excellent ladies. The prince and Claudio promised by this hour to visit me. You know your office, brother. You must be father to your brother's daughter and give her to young Claudio. Which I will do with confirmed countenance. Uh, Friar, I must entreat your pains, I think. To do what, senor? To bind me or undo me, one of them. Senor Leonardo, truth is, truth it is, good senor, your niece regards me with an eye of favor. That eye, my daughter lent her, tis most true. And I do with an eye of love requite her. The sight whereof I think you had from me, from Claudio and the prince, but what's your will? Your answer, sir, is enigmatical. But for my will... My will is your goodwill, may stand with ours, this day to be conjoined in the state of honorable uh, marriage, in which, good friar, I shall desire your help. My heart is with your liking. And my help. Here comes the prince and Claudio. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio and two or three others. Good morrow to this fair assembly. Good morrow, prince. Good morrow, Claudio. We here attend you. Are you yet determined today to marry with my brother's daughter? I'll hold my mind where she in Ethiopia. Call her forth, brother. Here's the friar ready. Exit Antonio. Good morrow, Benedict. Why, what's the matter that you have such a February face, so full of frost, of storm and cloudiness? I think he thinks upon the savage bull. Tush, fear not, man. We'll tip thy horns with gold, and all Europa shall rejoice at thee as once Europa did at lusty Jove when he would play the noblest, noble beast in love. Bull Jove, sir, had an amiable low, and some such strange bull leaped your father's cow and got a calf in the same noble feet, much like to you, for you have just his bleat. For this I owe you. Here comes other reckonings. We enter Antonio with the ladies masked. Which is the lady I must seize upon? This same is she, and I do give you her. Why, then she's mine. Sweet, let me see your face. Oh, that you shall not, till you take her hand before this friar and swear to marry her. Give me your hand. Before this holy friar, I am your husband, if you like of me. And when I lived, I was your other wife. Unmasking. And when you loved, you were my other husband. Another hero? (laughs) Nothing certainer. One hero died defiled, but I do live. And surely as I live, I am a maid. Former hero. Hero that is dead. She died, my lord, but whilst her slander lived. All this amazement can I qualify when after that the holy rites are ended. I'll tell you largely of fair hero's death. Meantime, let wonder seem familiar, and to the chapel let us presently. 
Soft and Fairfire, which is Beatrice? I answer to that name. What is your will? <clears throat> Do you not love me? Why? No. No more than reason. Why, then your uncle and the prince and Claudio have been deceived. They swore you did. Do not you love me? (laughs) No. No more than reason. Why, then my cousin Margaret and Ursula are much deceived, for they did swear you did. They swore you were almost sick for me. They swore you were well nigh dead for me. Tis no such matter. Then you do not love me. No, truly. But in friendly recompense. Um, cousin, I am sure you love the gentleman. And I'll be sworn upon that he loves her. For here's a paper written in his hand, a thing sonnet of his own pure brain, fashioned to Beatrice. And here's another, writ in my cousin's hand, stolen from her pocket, containing her affection unto Benedict. A miracle. Here's our own hands against our hearts. Come, I will have thee. But by this light, I take thee for pity. I would not deny you, but by this good day, I yield upon great persuasion and partly to save your life, for I was told you were in a consumption. Peace, I will stop your mouth. Kissing her. (laughs) How dost thou, Benedict, the married man? I'll tell thee what, Prince. (laughs) A college of witcrackers cannot flout me out of my humor. Dost thou think I care for a satire or an epigram? No. If a man will be beaten with brains, I shall wear nothing handsome about him. In brief, since I do purpose to marry, I will think nothing to any purpose that the world can say against it. And therefore, never flout at me for what I have said against it. For man is a giddy thing. And this is my conclusion. For thy part, Claudio, I did think to have beaten thee, but in that thou art like to be my kinsman, live unbruised and love my cousin. I had well hoped thou wouldst have denied Beatrice that I might have cudgelled thee out of thy single life to make thee a double dealer, which out of question thou wilt be if my cousin do not look exceedingly narrowly to thee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are friends. Let's have a dance ere we are married that we may lighten our own hearts and our wives' heels. We'll have dancing afterward. First of my word, therefore play music. Prince, thou art sad. Get thee a wife. Get thee a wife. <laughs> there is no staff more reverend than horn. Enter messenger. My lord, your brother John is ta'en in flight and brought with armed men back to Messina. <sighs> Think not on him till tomorrow. I'll devise the brave punishments for him. Strike up, Pipers. Dance. Exit. It is a wedding, so that... 
This is true. This is true. Good job, everybody. Thanks for having me, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Bye, guys. Hold on.